What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Today's guest took her side hustle to six figures in 18 months, and she hasn't looked back since. Starting with one photo booth out of her front closet, Cat Block and the Modern Photo Booth Company now operate 20 photo booths in multiple cities all across Canada. Stick around in this episode to hear how she got her first customers, how she prices and positions the service to stand out from the competition, and some really smart and intentional ways she's found a steady stream of bookings. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned in this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash cat, C-A-T. And while you're there, make sure to download my big list of 25 other unconventional things that you could rent out for a profit. I always thought of a rental business as being a house, rental real estate, right? But there are lots of other things that you can rent out that may have a much faster ROI, like photo booths in this case. This story starts, like many a good story, in Las Vegas, where Kat, then a beginning wedding photographer, scraped up the money to attend WPPI, the big wedding and portrait photography industry conference. Ready? Let's do it. I was walking the trade show floor And it's funny because I actually hated photo booths. Like if I ever saw them at a party, you would not catch me dead in a photo booth because I'm like, I don't know where these props have been. Like (laughs) hats were like, I don't know how many people have worn them. And like everyone had hats and glasses and boas and stuff that they would stick in their mouth. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And also, (laughs) right? But you'd also get like a really bad quality photo. So anyways, I was walking the trade show floor and I stumbled upon this booth for Photo Booth Supply Co., And they had the most amazing photo booth ever. It was like a mobile studio. Like the quality was unreal. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, okay, this is, this is why I'm here. (laughs) You found the thing. The thing. Exactly. Yeah. It just clicked. It's like, I saw it. I'm like, if, if I want like a high quality, super styled photo booth, then I'm sure someone else does because I would, like I said, would never rent a photo booth, but I would want a mobile studio at a party that I'm throwing. And then the stylist side of me kind of came in and I was like, I need to have all the best backdrops and pretty, like really nice props that people actually want to use and not stick in their mouth. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. <laughs> okay. So you say, I'm going to make a pivot from this getting started, aspiring wedding photography business to say, let me give it a shot to something in the same ballpark, but a little bit of a different game plan here. So going after the photo booth thing. So what's the startup cost on this? Or how much does this photo booth supply company um, product or, or mobile studio cost? Well, so back then, the the model that they had was 9000 US, which I'm in Canada. So for me, that was like $13,000 when you do the conversion and taxes and import fees. <laughs> like it wasn't cheap, but it came with everything. You know, so I think all said and done to set up my business was probably about $20,000 when I look at like, I actually hired a web designer and a graphic designer to make my logo and stuff and a couple of extra things that I needed to buy. But like in terms of starting a business, like how many businesses can you really start with 20K that that will generate like pretty good revenue pretty quickly? Not many. <laughs> at least I have. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's like, it seems like a lot to me, but I'm from like the online world where it costs, you know, yeah. your, your domain name and your hosting and you're kind of off to the races. So it does seem like a lot, but there is a, you know, a physical product element to it. I gotta, I gotta buy the equipment for this thing. So what gave you the confidence to say, yeah, this is a ton of money. I'm, I'm going to go for it. Um, I have a relationship with money where it's like, (laughs) 
I always see like advantage to spending money. Like, I don't know, the the saying that's always resonated with me. A lot of people's like scared money don't make money. And when I have like this feeling, it's like a gut feeling that I know I need to do something. It's like, I don't even think twice about spending that money. I didn't have that money. So the funny part was that, you know, I was like 27, maybe 25 or something around those lines. And I actually put the deposit of this photo booth on my parents' emergency credit card. And I was like, oh, I have like 30 days to explain <laughs> what this charge is. <laughs> okay. But I paid it off. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I was looking now more recently at photo booth supply co and it seems like the prices have come down quite a bit, or maybe they have a different model that's like a lower barrier to entry. Exactly. Well, um, so now their newest booth, which I have a bunch of those as well, it's an iPad based booth. And it's more of like a social style booth. So which is really nice. They're super portable. And it makes it a lot easier because it's setup takes like three seconds. But that one, the price point is significantly lower, but you still get all the amazing perks. So like, it's literally a business in a box, just add an iPad and you're good to go. Was there any, it sounds like not, but was there any like competitive analysis? If I, well, I'm going to bring this thing home and I got to figure out, well, who, who else is out there already offering this in my town? Was there, I mean, imagine there were already players in that space and you say, well, I know I can compete anyways. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah, definitely. So I actually went to school for entrepreneurship. So I, as soon as I came home, I just started going crazy on this business. And I did do that. I did a competitive analysis of everyone in Ottawa, which is where I started my business. And at that time, there was so many photo booths. Like it was insane how many photo booths were out there, but they all offered the same thing and their price point reflected what they were offering. So to give you an idea, like pretty much every single one of them offered the same, like I said, hat, boas, sunglasses, yeah, glasses and stuff. Some of them offered prints, some didn't. And some of them were just like DIY kits, but they all ranged around three to $400 for like a three hour event. And I'm like, that's too cheap. <laughs> I need to be like way more than that to actually make money. But I saw a huge need in our city for that. And something that like there was a need there for a more customized, stylized, high quality photo booth that people could actually use as a tool. Because the big thing I saw with it was that a photo booth is such an amazing branding and marketing tool that people just didn't see. They thought it was like a fun thing to do, which it is, right? But nowadays, we don't print our photos anymore. So for someone to walk away with a picture of themselves and also has like your event branding or something like that on it, like they're going to keep that because we don't get pictures like... So yeah, I just saw so much opportunity. I, I could literally talk about this like for hours. <laughs> I mean, that's a really good uh, reaction because there's like this old parable of this shoe company. They send their uh, sales representative off to some third world country and or they send two sales reps. The first guy comes back is like situation hopeless. Nobody has shoes. And the, the other guy comes back is like, this is an amazing market opportunity. Nobody has shoes. And so you're looking at this and saying, well, yeah, there's already a lot of players in this space, but there's an opportunity for differentiation by going up market by, you know, not trying to compete in the glasses and hats and boas market, but doing something a little bit different. And maybe you can describe what that looked like from an early positioning or early marketing standpoint. I mean, for us, in terms of marketing, like the first thing that I did was reach out to a lot of the business networking groups that were in the area that I knew had event planners, because I figured, you know, event planners, 
have people who have budget for events. And if they're spending money on an event planner, then they're probably going to spend money on their other vendors. Like they're not going to look for someone who's like running a business out of their basement, right? They didn't know I was running it out of my basement, but (laughs) that's a different story altogether. So we did this one networking event that actually brought us probably most of the clients that we started off with and still have to this day, actually. And what I did is I went all out. I literally, I approached this event planner and I just said, hey, I know you're having this event. I'm new to the industry and I know you don't trust me enough to hire me right now, but I want to show you what I can do and why I'm different. I'm like, I want to offer you a, a free photo booth for your next event and I'm going to like brand it all to you and make it look amazing and blah, blah, blah. And so we did that. We literally like, we made sure we got the best backdrops. Like, you know, a lot of people use like velvet curtain backdrops and ones that are see-through. And we made sure that we sourced like really luxurious sequin backdrops that weren't transparent. You know, they actually looked really nice when they were set up and stuff. We handmade all of our props using like a cricket machine. I don't know if you know what those are, but it's like a die cut machine for paper. So we made all of our props out of paper and they were customized. And yeah, they just, they were completely floored. Our lineup was through like never ending for that event to the point they had to cut it off and be like, hey, you guys need to come back to the event. <laughs> wow. Okay. Was this through LinkedIn to searching like event planner near me? Like, how did you find these people to to do this initial outreach to? I was always big into Facebook. There was a local networking group. It's actually called Ladies Who Lunch. And this group met every month and they literally did what the title said. <laughs> they lunched every month, but it was like a big lunch. They went to like a venue and all that. And it was meant for networking. And so I think it was just through word of mouth that I found out about them and had kind of been following them for a while and then decided to reach out. But most of the stuff I do is, is online. Okay. This is an interesting one because it's like, you know, marketing 101, trying to get in front of your target customers where they already are. And thinking, well, who are they already doing business with? And in this case, the event planners were the kind of conduit here. Like their clients are the people footing the bill for these events. They've got budgets. If they're hiring an event planner, they might have budget for a photo booth down the road. And so the strategy was like, well, let me give you a free trial. Let me give give you a taste of what I can do. Do you have a sense of how many of those you put out to, I guess, build the portfolio, build the network early on? I mean, we still do it to this day, but probably... I probably did like at least two or three just to start. And then, you know, we really pretty much every event we did, we booked two to three jobs from minimum, you know, but like I mentioned, even to this day, like if I see an opportunity where my target market is, I will absolutely approach an event and offer them our services in kind just to be able to get in front of these people because it's worked so well for us in every instance. And anytime I want to break into a new market, that's literally our strategy is, you know, just show them what you can do. Okay. Did you have any pushback of like, well, we don't have space for you. Who are you? Why are you you emailing me, random person? Not really. I mean, I came from a background of working in the corporate world. So I knew how to communicate to people pretty professionally and not seem kind of like scammy and, you know, kind of like that weird person just being like, yeah, this is going to be beneficial for you, but really it's beneficial for me. So I really like always tried to approach people and saying like, this is the value that I'm going to bring to your event for you, you know, for you to pass on to your people. And I'm going to give it to you for free just because I want to prove myself. So I made it more about them than about me, really. Okay. 
Yeah. And so they were like, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I guess you can set up shop in the corner. <laughs> I mean, have at it. Yeah, I never got anyone who said no. Like to this knock on wood, <laughs> no one's ever said no to me. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool, yeah, sure. If we've got room for you, come on by and you're going to do all this custom work. And so the benefit there is like, yes, custom branding, you know, going over the top to say like, oh, this is really cool because now they're getting, you know, social media exposure, like from the pictures that come out of this photo booth, I guess a couple different ways to go. It's like this, you know, I've been in ones where they print out like Polaroid style, like, you know, it prints out right away. And then other times it's like, we, you you know, get to log into this website and see the digital version of it, or we'll send it to your phone or something. Is there one that you have found to work better or a combination of the two? No, I, I, it really depends on the event. You know, like we try to make sure that we offer the right product for every event and demographic because, you know, younger dem- demographics, they want a digital version usually. And like we might offer something like a boomerang using a, a digital photo booth rather than, you know, like a studio style one where they get a print. But if you're doing something like a gala, then we would do like a print style. And yeah, it really depends on the event and, and who's going to be there. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. After doing these free ones, how did you figure out how much to charge for the people who you know, got your business card? They said, oh, we love what you're doing. Can you come to our thing? Well, again, I had done a lot of research on what everyone else was doing. And I also knew like what I valued my own time at having gone through like 
some of the photography business side of things. Like I, I understood what I needed to charge in order to make a living and make a profit off of it. So our first price for three hours was $975, which was twice as much, if not more than twice as much as pretty much every photo booth in the city. But we also included a lot of things that I found they had as add-ons. So while they included prints, they maybe didn't include props and they definitely didn't include premium backdrops. So, you know, rather than making our customers pick and choose their packages, because we all know what happens when we give people too many options, we just told them what the best package was for them based on their event. And we started off like that. So yeah, 975 was our first one. And people at first were kind of like, wow, that's really expensive. But we were really good at explaining the value of it. So again, having come from the corporate world, I was always privy to proposals, which I know like were great for when we were trying to sell multi-million dollar deals. So I was like, why can't I just use this for my photo booth business too? So I would actually make proposals that kind of depicted like why we're better and like why you need to spend this kind of money on your photo booth for your guests and how it's going to make your event better. So I think that was a, a big reason as to why people didn't really question our pricing. Okay. Did they tend to book over the phone or was it click here on the website? Here we have these pricing packages, good, better, best. Curious how that transaction tended to happen. Well, we tried a couple of things. Originally, when we launched, we had our packages on the website. And so when people came to us, you know, they would write in an email, I would send them a quote, you know, like I had this PDF of all of our packages, like pick your package. And then they would book, I'd send them like a contract and like a square invoice. But I was like, this is too much work. <laughs> like, that's like four emails, I got to make a contract, I have to like, follow up with the contract and all that. So I ended up getting a a CRM system that literally did everything for us. So most of our inquiries came in through email or again, through like word of mouth. Uh, They'd either like pick up the phone, call, leave a message. But I worked full time back then. So it was a bit hard for me to answer phone calls. But I usually would do it like my lunch breaks were like me returning phone calls and doing emails. That was pretty much my lunch break every single day. But for the most part, it was done over email and and automations. Oh my God, automations are the key to side hustles. (laughs) That's the side hustle lifestyle when you're returning calls, returning emails on your lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> what was the CRM system that you ended up going with? The one that I went with is called Pixify. And it's meant for like photographers or anyone who's like in an event style business. Like even if you're a caterer, we ran a catering company too for quite a few years. Like it was my husband's business, but we ran it off that too. So it's very versatile, which is what I really like about it. And it's grown with us, which is amazing. Like we still use it to this day and we now have like five different brands in three different locations. So highly recommend it for anyone who's looking for a CRM system that does everything from like lead input to contract signing, invoicing, like all of that workflows, you name it, it's all automated. Okay. So now I'm thinking at this 975, call it a thousand bucks to to round up for this event, going back to the close to 20 grand startup costs. So now you're doing 15, 20 of these events and you're getting close to breaking even. Mom and dad are no longer stressing about their emergency credit card being used <laughs> for this thing. What's the timeline? before you start to feel like, okay, there's there's a clear path to break even and profitability. Oh my God, right away. Like like I mentioned, we did that first event and from that we booked like three events and then at, we had booked those ones and then we got kept getting calls from this planner, you know, like a couple of them in particular, but they were like, I have another event, I have another event. And every time we went to event, we ended up having more events coming in. So within our first year and a half, I broke six figures in revenue. 
And my profit margins are like 80% at this point. <laughs> so I kind of miss the days of being owner operator. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing it all yourself, you're running super lean. Yeah, I can see what that happens. And that's kind of what's what's interesting because my that's my wife's side hustle is, is as a wedding photographer, actually. And what we found that was super surprising, you know, we're trying to focus on local SEO at the beginning. And and what we found was like, you know, people getting married, no other people getting married. And if you can show up, do a good job for them, build partnerships with the venues that you like to shoot at, the word of mouth engine starts to spin, in my mind, what seemed like surprisingly quickly. And it was like, oh, this person has three bridesmaids who are also getting married in the next three years. And like, oh, who shot your thing again? Oh, okay. So they pass along that referral. So it's like, the importance of getting your foot in the door, in this case, for free, really paid off down the road. Now, what else has been firing for you on the marketing side? You mentioned you got the website, you've got some Instagram stuff going on. I know you've got some local SEO stuff going on. If people search photo booths in Ottawa and in surrounding towns, surrounding cities, what else? What else? Let's, talk, let's geek out on marketing for a while. Well, the first thing we did, so pre-pandemic, I had hired a person. Well, I didn't really hire. She kind of moved her way up through. She was my first hire, actually. And she started doing outreach. I love weddings and all that, but like corporate is where it's at for me. I love the marketing side of things. So I love being able to use a photo booth as a marketing tool. And, you know, you can get way more custom. You can build out some pretty crazy stuff using a photo booth if you're using it for like a brand experience or anything like that. And so what she did is she would go on Instagram and find all the kind of companies that we wanted to work with, PR agencies, advertising agencies, experiential marketing companies, that kind of stuff, and interact with them on Instagram and then also kind of stalk them, you know, like get to know their business inside and out. What are they doing? What kind of clients do they have? And then what we would do is we would eventually reach out to them after interacting with them on Instagram for a while, because you never know, like whoever's running the Instagram account generally has nothing to do with the contact person at all, you know, but it's a great way to like learn sure. about them. And once we would reach out, we would actually send them a physical package in the mail and invite them to like a lunch and learn, whether it be in person or virtual, where we could introduce to them the products that we thought would be really great for them. And we would use examples of clients they already had. So like if someone, you know, we saw that they worked a lot with like, I don't know, Under Armour or something like that, we would build our entire deck as like, you know, we saw you did this activation, we thought this would be a really good fit based on like what your target was. And we really tried to understand these companies so that we came in super prepared. And every time we did that, we closed the client. And you just need a couple of those to really, you know, make good revenue because they again have reoccurring clients and reoccurring events and all that kind of stuff. So it takes a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it to do that kind of outreach. No kidding. That sounds super cool, super high touch, high targeted. Uh, what was in the package that you sent in the mail? kind of was different for everyone. So for example, one of them, we have like a, a mosaic product where you can take a photo in the photo booth and then it also prints on a sticker. You put the sticker on the wall and every sticker builds towards an even larger image. I don't know if you've ever seen those happen at events and stuff, but you can, it's like building art with photos. So we would send them a little sample. We'd usually make a, a little mosaic out of their logo and then send them like a few random okay. stickers with the numbers and then they would like have to put it on and build their logo type of thing. Yeah, we sent them, we had a, a service booklet as well that would show like our most popular services. And then there was a QR code in the bottom corner that if they scanned it, it actually took them to a YouTube video where I would explain a little bit about that 
particular product. And then obviously we'd give them like some print samples and some of like the cooler kind of printouts that we've done. Like we have this one product for, it's like a lanyard booth. So like if you go to a conference, you can go, you take your photo, you type in your name and then you print your own lanyard that has your photo on it. And then the backside has like the schedule for the conference, but you still get to do all the branding as the conference and all that, but everyone gets their own personalized lanyard when they walk in. So we would send them one of those and those were really hot before everything shut down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get to the, uh, the yeah. <laughs> disaster that, that has been the last year and a half in a minute for this outreach. how did you figure out who the decision maker was or who had the power to say, yes, we're going to add you to our Rolodex of, of service providers? That was a bit of a shot in the dark. So we would go on LinkedIn, obviously, and like check out everyone who worked at the company that that we could find out about. But they all kind of like the thing with marketing companies, they all make up their own titles, you know, like, (laughs) because they're a marketing company, they all have different titles that they all like, I don't know, I swear some people are just like, I'm just gonna call myself a ninja of some kind. And you know, like, that's what they go with. So (laughs) it was a bit hard. I mean, it did take a bit of time going through LinkedIn and like finding out like who these people were and like, what in particular they were doing, and whether or not they were someone we wanted to, to talk to. But we didn't discount anyone, you know, like, if I could even find one person, I don't care if they were like, I work in the mailroom at this place. Like I would send them a package and be like, share this with whoever you think needs to see about it, you know, and they oftentimes would. So if you can't find someone, just send it to anyone, (laughs) you know, and then follow up. So still pre-pandemic times, tell me about the logistics. Like there's a big physical photography studio, mobile studio to kind of move uh, to and from your place, your basement or your place of storage to the event you have to stand there the whole time and click buttons or, you know, can you hire a college student to stand there? Like, just curious about logistics and the time on the day of the event. Well, when we first started out, okay, so I didn't run out of my basement. It was actually my front closet. (laughs) So the photo booth actually came in a very compact case. It was two cases, one for the printer, one for the actual photo booth. They weigh about 70 pounds though each so they're not light but they do fit in the back of like a regular sedan car and then other than that I would have like a backdrop stand and a backdrop and then maybe a small case for my props so the entire kit itself wasn't extremely large or hard to transport or anything like that and for the most part usually it was myself or my husband and myself that would go to the events and then you know once we started booking multiple events and he'd go to one event and I'd go to one event. And then, yeah, eventually we did just hire people to run the events for us. We'd train them and then they would do it. But, you know, in terms of like setup, we would always test our events before going out just to make sure everything worked, like the camera worked, the tablet worked, the printer worked. We had enough printer paper and all that kind of stuff. We'd pack up the kit. And then the day of the event, you know, we put in our car, we usually show up about an hour early set up because set up is anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes, generally because you're trying to like get power, or make sure that they still want to put you in the same spot they thought they wanted to at the beginning, because that's probably our number one issue is that was change where we end up going as soon as we get there. But yeah, then you, you do stand there, you know, you interact with people, though, it's it's really fun, because people are like, they want to be in the photo booth, you know, so you can just tell them like how to pose or like grab a prop, here's your print type of thing. Like the time goes by really fast because you're always busy (laughs) during the whole thing. And then usually about an hour after the event's done, that's how long it takes you to like tear down, get everything in your car, you know, and get back home. And, and that's pretty much the whole night. That's with the studio booth. And then unlike the wedding business, you don't have the 
40, 50 hours of editing time, post-production time afterwards. It's all kind of what you see is what you get. We have control over the lighting here so we can, you know, we don't have to do a ton of edits afterwards. Yeah, (laughs) it's really nice. Very controlled situation in this case. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Talk to me about the decision to expand, to say, well, I've got, you know, one of these kits and we're getting booked up. Was it a point of, you know, getting multiple inquiries from, for the same date? And you said, well, I'm, I'm double booked. If I had, if I had another booth, uh, we could be making twice as much. Like, talk to me about this going down the path of of expansion. Yeah, that that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I was starting to see that like we were getting inquiries for the same day, like multiple inquiries for the same day, and there was many times where we were already booked, and I'd have to turn people down. So once I, I think at one point, like I had gotten three in the same week for like different dates that we were already booked for, and I'm like, I think we need to get another photo booth, you know, and we knew like my husband and I were both able to operate the booth. So we're like, there's two of us, one can go to one event, and then the other can go to the other event. And if we need help, we can always hire someone to just tag along. So then, you know, we bought a second booth, and it just kept booking, and then a third booth, and then a fourth booth, and they just kept going and going, you know, in the first couple of years, like, so we didn't work on volume, we worked more on like, higher, like lots of higher quality events, right? That paid a bit more. But we w- we're not like one of those companies who does 60 events in a month. I know lots of companies that do that. And it sounds exhausting. But, <laughs> you know, we prefer to do less jobs, make more money. But at the same time, like I still wanted to, I didn't want to turn down some of these events because we started getting really cool stuff. Like we had expanded away from doing like your typical wedding or, or you know, 
gala or something like that and started getting inquiries for like this really like the really cool kind of like brand activations that were multiple days or weeks or stuff like that and one of them that we got was for an entire week and i'm like well i I can't just have a whole booth gone for a week i need to buy a booth just for this you know (laughs) so at one point like we were still operating out of our house and we now had like six photo booths which had now taken over our dining room because they didn't fit in the closet anymore and like the garage and the basement so you know, yeah. from there, it just kind of kept going. <laughs> Tell me about the decision to leave the day job. Like, at what point do you feel comfortable going full time into this? I don't know that you ever really feel comfortable <laughs> just leaving. Like, I had a really good job with a really nice car allowance and, you know, benefits. And I loved my job, but I hated it at the same time. It wasn't like my passion by any stretch of the imagination. It just, it felt like the right time. Like, it was getting to the point where it was hard to handle both of them, even though I had hired like a full-time employee and I had part-time employees doing the events. The inquiries that were coming in were more complex and required me to handle them a little bit more because like I had the experience communicating in the corporate world. And that's something that's hard to teach someone, especially when they, you know, are just like um, fresh out of school photographer or something like that. And so it kind of just, you know, we realized like if I spent more time doing this, like considering how much the business is making now as a side hustle, like imagine what could happen if I dedicated my entire brain to doing this and it paid off. (laughs) It was a very, very good idea to do that. So it was scary, but at the same time, it just felt right at that time. It is a scary leap to make. Can I, can I really cut my own paycheck? But I was in the same boat. It's like, well, if I had an extra 40, 50 hours a week to dedicate to this thing, I, you know, I think I could get it to much bigger than it is uh, today. And, and on top of that, it's a lot more fun to work on. I don't know. There's lots of reasons why people will leave. And I, I mean, some people are, are are much more risk tolerant than it sounds like you and I are. Because it's like, I got my first sale. That's it. I'm in. Let's, let's go do this thing. It's like, oh, you know, we had a six-figure operation. We had full-time staff while you're still working at the day job. Interesting. Anything else on the, on the marketing front, just to, to return to that topic real quick, that you found effective outside of these real high-touch personalized outreach Um, Well, recently, what we've really focused on, uh, like, I mean, I've hired an SEO company that takes forever to actually like take off. So I can't really comment on that yet. We're only in like month four. But one thing that we found very successful so far is Instagram, you know, one niching your Instagram account. So we actually split our accounts off to one that's just for weddings and one that's just for activations. And that was really, really good. Like we've quadrupled our leads that come in from Instagram. And also just implementing like a really strict marketing plan for Instagram, like showing up every day, doing reels, doing stories, like all that kind of stuff and making sure that it's targeted to your target market. Like our impressions have gone from, you know, 6,000 a week to like 30,000 a week. And we're growing, we're actually growing our following before it was like, we would gain like maybe two to 10 new followers a month because we gained as many as we lose. Now we're doing like, 30 a week and we're actually keeping them, which I'm like, how <laughs> amazing what happens when you put a plan in place. <laughs> so how do you connect with ideal followers there and, and the type of content that you're posting? Uh, well, so with the with the wedding account that we have, which is our original account at Modern Photo Booth Company, that one is now literally just geared towards high-end weddings and the products that we have there. And 
we really want to target high-end brides and also high-end wedding planners. So all of our messaging just goes towards them. And it's kind of, for weddings, it's kind of nice because you can talk days about wedding stuff. You know, like there's, if you're planning a wedding, like you understand all the trials and tribulations that go into it, whether you're a planner or you're like a bride or groom or anyone who's like planning that wedding. But there's just so many different things that you can talk about there. So, you know, we found that using kind of things that are unique to that industry really connects with people. And, you know, they like seeing also the human side of a business. For some reason, I post a picture of my own face and add a comment in there. And those posts do really, really well versus one where it's like a beautifully lit photo that I think is amazing. And I'm like, I can't wait to post this. And then that gets like 10 likes. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, like that was it. That was it. Yeah. You know, I, you never predict what's going to go well. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be said about getting your content right. And I actually started following Jasmine Starr. I don't know if you know who she is, but she used to be a wedding photographer back in the day. And she now does like tons of social media stuff. And so I didn't think her course was going to be applicable to my business because it seemed like it was meant for like individuals that are selling like coaching services and stuff. But I did one of her courses, like one of her free courses on like that explains how to use her product. And it's another okay. one that just clicked. So if you're looking to really up your Instagram game, I'd check her out. All right. Yeah, I know that name. So there's, there's some uh, brand recognition there, even though I'm probably not in her uh, target demographic. Anything else on the Instagram side that's working for you? Again, like just other things for Instagram is like to go and follow the people that you want to follow and make sure you're interacting with them all the time. Making sure that your, you know, your profile really, when people look at your profile, they know exactly what to do and what you want them to do. In your case, you're following people at PR agencies, you're following high-end wedding planners, you're following like kind of the connectors in, in the industry. Exactly. Yeah. Any type of publications when it, you know, or like organizations like the event world has so many organizations like, you know, like there's Biz Bash or like Meetings International and all of those, you know, event planner groups, like following them, interacting with them, making sure that just everyone in that circle knows who you are and what you do so that if it ever comes up in conversation, they're like, you know what, I came across this Instagram account that might work for you. And (laughs) we've actually gotten some of our biggest contracts from one Instagram post that I, you know, posted and didn't think anything of it and someone saw it and they're like this is perfect for whatever came up and that's how we got yeah many of our our large large contracts wow what was the post the first large event that we got was for this company called giant tiger which is huge here in canada it's like a bargain store but they are very canadian and the the PR agency that they worked for had been following us on Instagram because they were actually part of that circle of the ladies who lunch somehow. I can't remember exactly how, but they had seen our photo booth on Instagram and how we personalized all of our props. And when they came up, when they had that opportunity to have this big Canada Day uh, outdoor event that was going to be like three days long and like tens of thousands of people... They contacted us and I was like freaking out. I'm like, how am I going to do an event for three days with 10,000 people? Like, I don't even know if I can order that much paper or like how many prints I can do an hour. (laughs) But that's, yeah, that one came from that. And we continue to work with them as well. We've done so much with them over the past couple of years. So it's just that one post that you don't know what it is, but it's going to speak to someone. So just show your work, show your best work on there. 
being proactive about interacting with your target customers on there. I think that makes a lot of sense and is probably replicable in in a bunch of different niches. Yeah, definitely. How about the imposter syndrome? So this huge nationally known brand reaches out to you. You're like, how do I even figure out how much to charge? Like, can I do this? Uh, Am I qualified to do this? How are we going to do this? How do you get over all that stuff? I mean, I actually think it's a good thing. Imposter syndrome to me is like the best thing that I have (laughs) because it pushes me all the time. And what? so one of the things when we first started is I did not ever want to be that home run business. I was like, no one's going to take me seriously if I'm like, oh yeah, look at me setting up a photo booth in my, you know, basement and now going to all these large events. So when we first started, I, I put like a, an office address. I had like a 1-800 number. I made it look like we were bigger than we were so that people would take us seriously. And, you know, like I also did all the legal stuff, like registered business, insurance, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when when people came to me and did stuff that was like out of my wheelhouse, it definitely stressed me out, but it also always pushed me to be more prepared for the next one because I was like, okay, the next time I'm going to be prepared to be able to like know what they want and know what they need. And so it always pushed me even further and further. And while I definitely was always like, oh, I'm not good enough. I remember, I think it was Seth Godin once said that like imposter syndrome is your superpower. You know, like if you have imposter syndrome, it's because you don't think you're good enough and it pushes you and all that. And that just resonated with me. And so now it is, that's exactly how I think of it. Like even still to this day, it happens where somebody reaches out to me and I'm like, why me? (laughs) We're just a small photo booth company, you know? And I'm like, why did they come to me? But yeah, it's just, it, it definitely is fuel. Okay. I remember something similar. It might've been in four hour work week where Tim Ferriss talks about, you know, when you're small and you want to make your, make your company appear bigger than it is, you can introduce yourself as the, you know, director of marketing rather than the, you know, co-founder and president (laughs) and CEO of the whole thing. Like, oh, you know, and and it gives you an out like, well, I got to go check with my boss on that or something like that. Making the company look bigger than it is. Have you ever bitten off more than you could chew? If you say, okay, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. You make these promises and you show up and just for whatever reason, it doesn't work out the way you'd hoped. Thankfully, no. I mean, I've definitely bitten off more than I can chew. And I'm usually the one that pays for it in the end. Because one thing that I will not allow myself to do is like, I can't not deliver on something. So if it costs me more money to complete it, or, you know, if I need to not sleep at night to make sure that it happens, then I will make sure that it happens. Because frankly, like, if you screw up one time and you don't deliver on something that you promise, like that can be almost way worse than not having clients coming to see you is is not going to be a good thing. Bad word of mouth travels way yeah. faster. So that to me is one thing that I will never knock on wood, let happen in any stretch of the imagination. I will, like I said, not sleep for the whole week and it's happened <laughs> just to make sure that I deliver. Okay. So things are going well. You're getting lots of inquiries. You're getting lots of events. You've gone full-time into this. You quit the day job and then the world shuts down. What is going through your head in March of 2020? 2019 came in like roaring. We were targeted to like make historic revenue. We had all these contracts lined up. You know, they were about to sign and we were about to start doing all these crazy long installs. And I had been traveling pretty much every two weeks. I was gone two weeks, home for two weeks, gone for two weeks. And I remember thinking like, I don't know how long I can keep this up. (laughs) Like I'm starting to lose it. And then sure enough, 
the universe was like, cool, we're just going to give you this like two year break then. And I wasn't really sure how to handle it at first. I didn't think it was going to last that long. Totally naive, but also I'm not like, you know, a virus doctor scientist. So I don't know these things, but you know, I kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That was the optimism earlier. Well, if we all just stay home for two weeks, it'll just go away. What were we thinking? Like a virus is just going to disappear because we stay home for two weeks. (sighs) But at the same time, like SARS happened in 2008, I think. And, you know, we did only get shut down for, I think it was like for three months, they kind of like restricted events and stuff like that, at least here in Canada. I don't know if it happened in the US or not, but it wasn't that big of a deal. So a lot of us, you know, a lot of the event planners, we kind of got together, like the event industry people got together and we're like, oh, okay, three months, we should be good, you know. So I didn't lay off my staff, you know, thankfully, I had a a nice padding in my bank account from events that had delayed their payment so long (laughs) that it turned into the next year. So I had quite a runway. I knew that I had a bit of a runway to handle if I needed to. So, you know, we kind of focused on working on projects that we had never had the time to do like website update, updating our marketing material, like all that kind of stuff. And then I did have to lay them off. So probably three months into it. I only had four staff, including myself. And I laid off everyone except my graphic designer, because I needed him to do the website. And so, you know, we were like that for I think another three months until I was like, this isn't going anywhere. Like, we (laughs) events are still happening. They've gone virtual, people still need to connect. And then, you know, Brandon Wong, who runs Photoboost Supply Co., he actually said, he's like, you can't just stop what you're doing. You have to set a goal and keep going regardless of what happens, right? So I'm like, yeah, that that's true. So our goal is con- going to continue as it is. We just need to figure out what that product is that we're going to be offering and just going hard on it and making sure that we're still hitting our goals, even though they might look a little bit different. It's still the end goal is the same. And, you know, it worked out. It definitely worked out and we took advantage of every single government subsidy or loan that was out there. Because as a photo booth company, you cannot get business loans. Like if your life depended on it, at least here in Canada, my like I've tried so many times to get loans to expand my business and I was never able to. And the pandemic actually gave us that opportunity because we were an events business and because our revenue dropped so significantly from the year before, we qualified for everything. And I just, I took full advantage of it. <laughs> okay. Were you able to do anything virtually? It seems like it's got to be an in-person thing to take the pictures and print off this stuff and use the props and everything else. No, we totally took the photo booth virtual. So we offered a ton of different virtual photo booth products. We did hundreds of virtual events. We still do. We actually have two virtual events running right now. And they're very interesting because virtual is very different than in-person. You know, it's really hard to get that engagement, the same engagement like virtually as it is to get in person, especially because like you don't see the photo booth, right? And you need to make that photo booth fun when it's online so that it's not just like, hey, here's a picture. Like a lot of people are like, well, I can do this with my iPhone. Like what's different about your photo booth? So, you know, we again had to just apply everything that we did with the photo booth and apply it to this virtual concept where it's like, we can brand this, we can make this super fun. Like it can be like, you know, we can do really fun gifts. Like we've done some amazing virtual booths and if I can name drop, <laughs> we just it. did one for Ubisoft for uh, their Far Cry 6 launch where, I don't know if you play video games at all, but the one of the images is like 
the two characters are in a car and the window is like half down. So what we did is we took that image. We actually had our animations person animate the window going up and down. And you can take a photo and replace one of the characters with your own face. And then you end up on like the cover of, you know, a Far Cry 6 poster style, like, picture like that's not something you would generally be able to do unless you know like photoshop and all that other kind of stuff yeah so okay. yeah that's how we kind of took virtual photo booths and tried to make them a little bit more engaging and fun and like it's what made us survive and and grow throughout the pandemic are you seeing any sort of return to in-person oh, events? absolutely <laughs> kind of like overnight <laughs> it went from like I don't know if they're coming back to everyone needs a photo booth. Like we've had people call us and they're like, can you be somewhere in six hours? I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) that's not how this works. So yeah, it's come back, but now it's hybrid. You know, it's a whole new world. We have in-person and we have virtual. And then we have this new thing called hybrid where it's in-person and virtual. So always kind of evolving with the times. Yeah, never a dull moment in the, uh, in the events world. I felt so bad for everybody who built their business around travel, around events, even like, oh, I have a marketing agency, but my primary client base is hotels. And you're just like, ah, just destroyed in an instant. And it was just awful. But happy to hear you've been able to pivot, take advantage of different programs that were available to you and bring some of the staff back, it sounds like. Yes, we actually brought all the staff back. And now we're a team of 12 full-time people and five part-time staff. Yeah, it was, like I said, I mean, because I haven't been able to have access to loans before, like I just, I took it all and I was like, I'm going with the original plan and sticking to it. (laughs) And yeah, it's been great so far. What kind of trends do you see in the photo booth world if somebody is saying like, yeah, this sounds interesting, but, uh, you know, 20 grand startup cost makes me a little nervous or, you know, the virtual thing, that sounds pretty technical. I don't know, like, what kind of, you know, from the um, 10,000 foot view, what do you see going on in this space? I mean, it, it seems like every event nowadays has a photo booth and not even events like retail shops, you know, are all about having some sort of photo interaction. And for a lot of corporate or retail or brands, like their biggest thing is email collection, right? Like an email is gold nowadays, building email lists and all that kind of stuff. So uh, nowadays, the entry point for a photo booth is like, you know, $3,000, probably all in, you're looking at like six, once you buy your iPad, and you buy some backdrops, and, you know, maybe like a couple of extra things here and there, plus your like website and all that. So the the cost is a lot less than what it was back in the day. I mean, you can still get those super expensive photo booths, you know, like, it's not like they don't exist. It's just that now there's uh, there's easier entry point products that are available. And so like you had mentioned before, Photo Booth Supply Co., they have a salsa booth and that's their digital photo booth. It uses an iPad, but it's highly interactive. And that one, you know, we use it as a drop off photo booth. And that has been one of the easiest ways for us to do multiple events without having enough staff, because right now we are in rebuilding our, our event staff. Right. And it's hard to like you still have to train people. And it takes a few weeks to get them to be able to like do an event on their own. But with these drop offs, you can literally just leave them and come back in six hours and pick them up. (laughs) It's really nice. That sounds more appealing to me because that was what Steve Nadramia, the portable hot tub rental side hustle was doing. Like, I will come, I will set this up for you. You can have it 
for the weekend. You can have it for the week. You can extend your rental if you want, if I'm not double booked and then I'll come and get it. And so it was like very hand, he's not standing there no. like watching the hot tub. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> um, and same thing with the, uh, with the uh, inflatables, like the bounce house rental too. It's like you, you can rent it for the afternoon. I'll come set it up. I'll come back and, and take it down when you're done. And I've got the liability insurance and, and all that jazz too. So the drop off one, lower price point, you don't have to necessarily stand there the whole time. Maybe you want to make sure nobody damages your equipment for the first couple gigs. And then you're like, oh, okay, this, this kind of runs itself more or less. And then, I mean, I knew I wanted a more complex business when I came into it, but like looking back, like if I wanted to keep this as a side hustle that could expand while me still working full time, the drop-offs is the way to go because you can literally have five out. Like I know people who do that only and they'll literally just on a Saturday night, they just drive around the city, drop them all off and they come back around and pick them all up the next morning (laughs) and that's their night. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's not a bad way to go. You can imagine, and we've always compared it to like buying a traditional rental house where if you can get, you know, 1% of your purchase price as a monthly rent, like you're doing pretty good versus well, I bought this thing for call it three grand and I rent it out for 300, 400 bucks a night. All of a sudden that pencils out to be a, a much quicker ROI. But Kat, what is next for you? What are you excited about these days? Other than of course, hopefully the return to in-person events and uh, continuing to expand here. Yes, events coming back. But for us, it's more like the large experiential marketing style stuff. And like we've we started doing Instagram museums and malls. And I love that so much because we get to build entire sets that are photocentric. But realistically, like for the next, let's say, five years is just expanding across Canada. We already have three offices, but I'd love to have one in BC, which is like way on the West Coast. We're way on the East Coast, but we do a lot of work in, in Vancouver usually. And it's starting to come back. So one day I want to have my Vancouver office (laughs) and maybe have a Vancouver house. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Are you able to do events there like through subcontracting or something? So we do actually have partners that work out there. And we also have an like a physical office in Calgary with employees. So a lot of times our Calgary staff will actually just hop over to Vancouver with, um, with our equipment. Like we have an event happening there next week for a whole week. So our Calgary staff is actually going to be flying down with the equipment and and activating. Okay. Well, cool. Lots of expansion plans, uh, going, going bigger marketing events, Instagram events, and becoming the dominant player even more so than you already are for the Canadian photo booth market. Modernphotoboothcompany.com, M-D-R-N photoboothcompany.com. Check Kat out. Over there. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip is fake it until you make it, (laughs) which guess what? You never make it. You just got to keep faking it, (laughs) but it pays off. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Fake it till you make it. Kat, thanks so much for joining me and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. All righty. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kat. A few lines and ideas stood out to me. The first was scared money, don't make money. And I don't know if I've ever heard that phrase before, but I kind of like it. I think I've become a little more risk averse in my old age. And maybe that surprise came out on air in my reaction to her startup cost. And while I would not encourage you to take on debt to start a business, it is natural to have some upfront investment in equipment, in training, in inventory, perhaps. So the next part is, well, if scared money don't make money, how can we remove that fear or at least reduce that fear? And I think you can do that 
in a few ways. You can do that through market analysis, seeing what else is out there and how you can be different slash better. I think you can do that through pre-sales or pre-validation if you have a physical or digital product. I think you can do that through envisioning a realistic worst case scenario, as in if I do the thing I'm thinking of and I spend this startup money and it doesn't work out, how is that going to impact my life? And how is that going to impact my ability to put a roof over my head and food on the table? In Kat's case, if it didn't work, she had some hard assets she was investing in. It's not like those go to zero dollars in terms of resale value if she ever wanted to get out of the business. And that's actually something that's helped me reframe certain purchases. Like I always tend to just look at the sticker price, the purchase price. But on the back end, when I'm done with that thing, there's a resale value. There's a resale price that lets you recoup some of that. Bikes, skis, cars, furniture, equipment. Just a thought. Scared money, don't make money. Definitely a soundbite or a takeaway that stood out to me from this interview. The second thing was connecting with strategic partners. Now, perhaps because of the startup costs, Kat didn't waste any time in proactively marketing her business by reaching out intentionally to the people she knew could connect her with a steady stream of work, event planners. Remember, who are your target customers already doing business with? Depending on your niche, you may not have to work for free to build that trust and build that portfolio, but it definitely worked in her case. Then I loved how she translated the same strategy of finding those strategic hubs or connectors on Instagram as well. That's marketing gold. I think that can work across any number of different niches, strategic partners, super powerful stuff. Third thing for me was embracing imposter syndrome. In fact, Kat's line was, imposter syndrome to me is the best thing that I have because it pushes me all the time. That is a really interesting take on it. I mean, my dad would always say when he was teaching my brother and me how to ski when we were kids, if you're not falling, you're not getting any better, which was kind of like, look, if you're not challenging yourself, what's even the point? Why are we even out here? And if you're not challenging yourself to make mistakes and you're not growing, and this is entrepreneurship in a nutshell, right? Every single step of the way, you're going to encounter something you've never done before, almost by definition. And you've got two choices. You can shrink back and say, never mind, this is too hard. I'm not qualified. Or you can rise up to the challenge and say, I'm excited to figure this out. I came home from FinCon at the end of September with this weird crisis of motivation, I called it. And that's something that has never really happened to me before in eight and a half years of of running this business. I would hear all these cool ideas and tactics and where I'd normally be really excited to get home and start experimenting with those and implementing, I was kind of left with this weird feeling of, well, cool, but but why? And that feeling has subsided a bit and I've been re-energized to source and scoop and share awesome side hustle stories like cats. And I think what's helped is kind of pairing this ever-present imposter syndrome, this uh, pushing yourself to try new challenges, and then combining that with your bigger picture goals. Like, okay, what is it all for? At the end of the day, what are you working toward? In Kat's case, building a nationally recognized photo booth brand. In my case, being able to help people make extra money and do it in a way that fits my lifestyle. I don't want to have a dozen employees like she does, but this call to embrace in the imposter syndrome was still something that stood out for me. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned in this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash cat, C-A-T. And while you're there, make sure to download my big list of 25 other unconventional things that you can rent out for a profit. 
That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where Christmas is coming early and we're unwrapping 10 creative side hustles that make real money in the fourth installment of what's become a Thanksgiving tradition on the show. I look forward to it all year. Can't wait to share it with you next week. Hustle on.